Wine You. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Wine You Wish Upon a Star. It's been a while. It's been a little while. Quick little update. Uh, I got a new job, so it's a good thing, but I don't have as much time as I used to to put this kind of stuff together. Joe is a working man. So we can't just podcast at the drop of a hat, unfortunately. Yeah. Because I drop my hats all the time. All the time. I'm always picking up hats. So we decided that uh, we were just going to try to muscle through and, and record whenever we could. Disclaimer, we ran a trail race this morning. Why do you have to say that? Joey ran 15 miles. You don't have to say that. I ran 12 miles. We're sleepy. We are sleepy. But we are going to do this like champs. And the only, only reason, the, ol, the only, <laughs> the only reason we'd say this is because we might be extra silly tonight. So this wine hit us a little extra hard tonight. But it's okay. We can do a sleepy podcast because our film today that we will be listening to, our film, <coughs> the film that we watched today is Sleeping Beauty. Let's get right into this. First off, I'm very disappointed in us. We have missed out on all of our Disney movie rewards points for buying multiple DVDs. Oh, I thought you meant like us as people, not like shoppers. Oh, no, us as people were awesome. But I just mean us as smart consumers. Yeah, the DVD that we watched said, go onto the internet and put in this code to be to gain your Disney points. And so apparently with some of the DVDs that we've been watching, we could be gaining points that could go towards... I don't know, discounts to more DVDs. We gain no points. Also, no one buys DVDs anymore. So we open on a book. Oh, should we should we talk about now nah, let's rewind. Coob. That was book backwards. <laughs> <laughs> we may have some new listeners because we have taken such a long hiatus. So uh, if you are not familiar with the format the two of us watch a Disney movie, one of the animated classics, theatrically released, in order, chronological. And we drink wine while we watch the movie. We drink wine while we talk about the movie. So you're going to get an earful of what two functioning adults drinking lots of wine think about your favorite Disney classics. Oh man, we didn't even introduce yourself, like ourselves. No, we didn't. We jumped right I'm in. I'm your host, Brenna Peo. I'm your host, Joe Peo. We're married. Well, I just want to clarify that we weren't like brother and sister. You just said like, oh, we might have new listeners. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. Do we have a ghost that's like grinding coffee? We pull that freaking air conditioner back in. Should we talk about the wine first, though? Let's talk about the wine. So we got two wines uh, as, you know, we drink one while we watch, drink one while we talk. The one that we got while we watch is called The Dreaming Tree. Oh, it was good. It was pretty good. I enjoyed it. It was a really good sort of middle of the road. If, you don't, if you're not sure what kind of wine you want or what, what kind of, I don't like Malbec, I like Pinot Noir, then uh, this is a really good middle of the road. Like It's got something for everybody. It's very good. The one that we have now that we're drinking is called Prophecy. Well, they're both red blends. Yeah, both of them are red blends. From California. Mm-hmm. And we thought we'd pick a blend because they blend the colors pink and blue so many times. 
I didn't even think of that. I did. That's mm. why I said it out of my mouth. Interesting. Yeah. But we'll get to those colors. Yeah. Anyway. We open on a book. Now, this time, we don't just have, like, a book that's just, like, being opened in front of you. It's a stop-motion animation, almost like Nightmare Before Christmas effect. Like, it's kind of stuttery. It almost looks like one of those, like, Rudolph Christmas movies. There's even, like, a candle that has, like, an animated flame. So it's this golden book that opens up and talks about, oh, there's a kingdom, and there had the, the king and queen had a daughter, and her name is Aurora, and she's beautiful. And that's really all you need to know. Aurora's born. She's already betrothed to Prince Stephen. Philip. Why did I write Stephen? The king is Stephen. Oh. So they bring this child in with a gift and say, like, here, meet this baby and bring her a birthday present. Also, she's going to be your wife. And he looks at the baby and he gives this retching like, look. Bleh. like, bleh, bleh. Then these fairies show up and they're like, we are going to give her these magical gifts. The first gift they give is the gift of beauty, which made me think maybe it was an ugly baby. Maybe that's the reason. Maybe why. that's the reason. Why she wasn't beautiful yet. So there's the three fairies, Flora, Fauna, and Meriwether. Yeah, I called them red, green, blue the whole time. Sure. That works too. So Flora, the red one, which doesn't make sense, should have been the green one because Flora means plants. Yeah, um, nothing in this movie makes sense. <laughs> I'm just going to, spoiler alert, this movie makes no sense. So Flora gifts her with the gift of beauty and she like waves her wand and we go into this weird sort of like 2001 Space Odyssey. It's the universe. This psychedelic galaxy that's spinning in the air and then you just see this outline of a beautiful woman and she's just like, I bestowed that on you and it sprinkles down into the baby crib. The second Blonde, one, red lips, light steps. Those are beauty. That's that's the definition. So of beauty. I guess if you don't look like that, you're not beautiful. Exactly. You were not gifted by you know a what? magic fairy. I just thought the whole time this movie was going on, this crap wouldn't happen in Frozen or Moana. Well, I'm, that's the whole thing. If you watch the, well, we'll get to those. But that <sighs> is supposed to be a response to all of this, of saying that there there are no traditional. I guess, benchmarks of beauty. No, I just mean this movie in general. It's a little painful. Everything that's happened after Shrek is always like, let's make fun of that whole thing. Shrek? Yeah, Shrek was like the first one to kind of say like, yeah, this whole princess thing doesn't really work if you really think about it. Because she just kind of like sleepwalks through the movie and everybody around her just throws a fit and fights and then everything's fine at the end. Shrek wasn't Disney. No, but Shrek was the first one that was like lampooning Disney. We're a Disney, Disney fan cast. Do we even acknowledge that our other movies exist? <laughs> so the green fairy shows up and gives her the gift of song, sending us back into the universe and showing us a bunch of visions of songbirds. We get this psychedelic light show, kind of like in Doctor Strange, where you're just like, it just looks like neon birds flying through the sky and then flying through these like castle spires that look like the eiffel tower and then it ends and says like and she will have a beautiful voice and all i could think of was like none of the fairies wanted to give her i don't know brains or confidence or eloquence or communication or anything useful in this world well that could have been the third gift no because the third gift is interrupted by maleficent and by the way I used to watch this and be like, Maleficent, she's so bad. She's so mean. I'm watching it and I'm like, she's kind of the only person who really kind of has it together. 
Like, she understands subtlety and sarcasm in a way that everybody else is just kind of, like, circling, like, what? Huh? I don't understand. I mean, I get it. She literally tries to kill a baby in this movie, but at the same time, she's the only character with, like, any insight, any foresight. She literally became my favorite character, and she's the villain. Well, she threatens a baby, but she calls her shot from downtown. No, no, no. She tries to kill a baby. She says, like, on your 16th birthday, you're going to be killed. Yeah. She doesn't say, I'm going to kill a baby. She's like, when this baby reaches 16 years old, before midnight, she's going to prick her finger, before sunset, she's going to prick her finger, and she's going to die. But she's not saying, like, I'm going to kill a baby. But she's warning everybody. She's giving them the exact okay, precise but all of this was because scenario. she didn't get invited to the party. Like, if they had just sent her an invite to the party... I love how the, she says it, like, too. How she's just like, oh, I guess my invite was lost. And then it's the fairies that are just like, nobody likes you. Nobody wants you. It's the blue fairy. Yeah. That little blue fairy is like, eh, nobody wants you here. And then she's like, oh, how embarrassing. They I'll could have leave. turned and it's like, it around. And the king and queen are like, they call her, like, your excellence. Mm-hmm. They and respect so her. Like, she has a castle oh on a weird Oh, my cliff. gosh. Like, why didn't you just pay her a little more respect? And, hey, maybe she wouldn't have killed your kid. I mean, she doesn't. We all know how the story ends. But, like, maybe she wouldn't have tried to kill your kid. I haven't seen the, the movie, but I, I hear that it paints her in a more sympathetic light. I think I saw I think I saw that movie in theaters and I don't recall it being really that special, but they're making another one. Yeah, they're making another one. I feel like uh, okay. Anyway, everybody's like because she just threatened a baby, uh very specifically, the king says seize her, they all try to and she just disappears into like a column of green flame. Awesome. Totally awesome. Great exit. So then the blue fairy Meriwether says, okay, well, I guess I got upstage. So rather than actually give her a gift, I'm going to try to put some loopholes on the curse that she just put on the baby. So she says, when this happens, whatever it is, when she pricks her finger and is supposed to die, instead, she is going to fall asleep and she will be awakened by true love's kiss. Okay. So she can change the curse that Maleficent put on her. Because they say, like, can you undo the curse? And she's like, they're, they're like, it's way too magical. I, okay. She has so much power and so much magic. I can't actually nix the curse, but I can do what I can to so change like, it. That's cool. I get that. So she can change the curse. Why doesn't she change it to be like on her 16th birthday? She gets pricked on the finger and her hair turns black. Or like she gets acne. Like something that's like mildly inconvenienced, but maybe like not death or sleep forever. Like why can't they change it to be something like that? Or she gets fat. I don't know. It's magic rules. Uh, no. Uh, whatever. <laughs> so they go ahead and they burn every spinning wheel in the kingdom. Oh, by the way, the art design on this whole beginning thing is really interesting because it's so different from any of the other Disney movies that have come out before this normally it's like they they try to get it really photorealistic like we were talking about how they would film actors dancing or moving and then they would try to animate over it in this one they're not going for realism at all if anything they're just trying to make everything in the beginning part look like a medieval tapestry everything looks really flat and geometric there's no like shading on the colors it's all just like flat color cells like in within the shapes it's really interesting 
if you're looking for it. <laughs> like I was trying to sort of gauge where it is on the technical level of where the animation has come since we've seen everything. Like last time we were talking about how they do like crazy dog perspective point of view stuff in the sets. But in this, it's like everything's all really flat and two dimensional, but that's on purpose. It's by design. And I thought it looked really cool. I'm so sorry. While you were talking, I legitimately thought I spilled wine on myself, but I can't find any wine that I spilled. So it must have all gone in my mouth. Let's chalk that up to a win. (laughs) Yeah, that's a win. So they burn all the spinning wheels. The fairies are talking. They're having tea. The blue one keeps conjuring up cookies for herself. And they decide they're going to hatch the plan to save the princess. The first thing they were like, I have an ingenious plan. Join me. Let's shrink ourselves and get in the cupboard. They go and it's all dramatic. And Flora just says, okay, here's the plan. The red one. We turn her into a flower because a flower has thorns and cannot be pricked. And they're just like, oh, that's so great. That's so great. Until and the one red of them one's says, like, you dummy. Well, Every like spring or whatever, the Maleficent sends a frost and kills all your flowers. She's like, oh, yeah. And she's like, oh, yeah. Doesn't that happen? And that was like the big plan that she like made them all. <laughs> so what hide they actually decide is that they're going to give up their powers and their wings and they're beca- they're going to become peasant women. Because Maleficent is blind to true love. And so sh- they will be three loving mothers, peasant mothers to a girl. Well, no, I thought the idea of her being blind to true love. OK, so the idea is that Maleficent, as powerful as she is, does not understand love. So because of that. They come to realize that Maleficent will never understand that the king and queen could send their daughter away in order to save her. So they love her so much that they send her away. And so they hatch the plan that they're going to give up their powers, going to give up their wings, give up anything that draws attention to themselves, and basically be three peasant women raising this orphan child in the middle of the forest. And... The reason that they think this will work is literally because the king and queen love her so much that they will give her up. And Maleficent's plan will only work if she can know where she is at all times. And if the fairies do not use their magic, they will bring no attention to them and Maleficent and all of her minions will never never be able to find her. So that happens. They snake her out of the castle they go to the woods, they give up their years later. They give up their wings, they give up their powers, and there is a 30-year-old woman living in a castle or in a tiny hut with a 30-year-old woman. She looked 30. She didn't look 16. <laughs> I would have served her drinks at a bar <laughs> and not checked her ID. And not checked her ID. Yeah, and she's got some sass to her, too, because it's like, it's her 16th birthday. She's got boobs, she's got hips. She's got this, like, hourglass figure. She looks like a Barbie doll. Yep. And even, like, the teeny, 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 tiny waist. And, of course, the perfunctory Disney princess who has eyes that are wider than her wrists. You've heard about that, right? Yeah, no, my eyes are wider than my wrists. Not true. Not true. Yeah, yes, look. First of all, you're holding the wrist the wrong way. Now you look like the weird man from Pan's Labyrinth. Come to me, children. (laughs) You would eat a fairy. These fairies were stupid. I would eat them. So on toast. This very mature Aurora, now going by the name Briar Rose, has been raised the past 16 years by 
these three fairies. And even when we like catch up with them 16 years later, it seems like it's their first day on the job. They don't know how to do anything. They can't cook, they can't clean. They're like struggling so hard. It's like, how have they survived all this time? Because clearly they have put their wands away. They have not touched them in 16 years and uh, they are as lost as ever. Oh, hey, Aurora talks for the first time. Like 40 minutes into the movie. Yeah. So Sleeping Beauty talks for the first time and maybe says four sentences the whole movie. Well, yeah, because she's, well, I mean, she's she's not a baby anymore. Of course she just talks now. So mm. she, <laughs> well, you want the baby to talk. I don't want the baby to talk. I just want. <sighs> so when she's old enough to talk, she, we see her talking and she's like, she, they overhear, she overhears them talking about her birthday and the things they're going to do for well, her. her 16th birthday. Her 16th birthday. And she gets kind of interested. She gives a little like side, sidelong glance like, oh, there's going to be a surprise for my birthday. And she goes to talk to them and they're just like, oh, we, how about you uh, leave for a little while? Get some berries. And they just hand her a basket. And she's like, well, I've already got berries. They're like, get more. Just be gone. Just leave and don't come back for a while. And she even leaves and just says, like, it's like, ta-ta, as if, like, I know what's up. And while this is happening, we cut to Maleficent. And she's super PO'd because her minions have not been able to find Aurora for 16 years. And it turns out, for 16 straight years, her minions have been looking for an infant. Even recently. So she gets super mad and throws them all down a staircase. And starts blasting them with, like, magic fire. She might murder them all. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. Either way. But she turns to her, like, black crow, and she sends the crow out, and she's like, listen, you're the only person I love. You're the only person I can trust. Go out and find Aurora. By the way, this crow, it was in the first scene, and it's, like, cackling as she's making all of her threats. Like, clearly, they just have a really great relationship when you see this crow after 16 years have passed, it's got these bags under its eyes. It's looking tired and haggard. It's a it's a bird and it's 16 years old. And she's just like really kind of like quiet and tender with it. Like, please help me. You're my only friend. You're the only person who understands. And it's like, okay. So the fairies start to make a cake and a dress. Except that they cannot bake and they cannot like make a dress which leads me to believe like okay so for 16 years did she grow up like naked and unfed because they were like we're not using magic so like did they not use magic for 16 years but they didn't learn to cook or make clothes (sighs) what it's all completely brand new to them like i said 16 years and it's like their first day and they start crying because they're like oh we're not gonna have briar rose anymore blah 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 cut to aurora because the inside the cabin is just the stupid so aurora's walking through the forest she's singing and like you would think that today of all days they'd be keeping an extra eye on her with it being her 16th birthday but no they kick her out of the house so they can make a crappy cake and a stupid looking dress so she's singing, and you can hear her voice echoing off the mountains. Definitely not low profile. Of course, she's got, you know, she was blessed with with music, with her vo- her singing not voice. Not knowledge. Then again. A singing voice. I don't know if that's necessarily on her, because clearly they did not tell her the entire oh, no. situation. I'm not blaming her. I'm blaming everyone in this story. <laughs> so she's singing, and she sings and attracts a bird. 
and then she sings, attracts another bird, sings, attracts a squirrel, and then all of them start attracting other animals. We are back to the 200 woodland animals oh, of Snow White. I can't. <laughs> I figured Snow White was going to show up right after all of these freaking woodland creatures. So 200 woodland animals make a glorious return into the Disney oeuvre. And she's just like talking with them. And, and, and she starts talking about like how she met this guy. And they're just like getting like really just like, really? Tell us about this tell us about it so <laughs> she's like talking about uh, about some guy that that she met and she fell in love with and all this and then she just says like how did i meet him in a dream so she basically and had all like, like oh but then she starts explaining it and it definitely sounds like she had like a sexy dream and it was, it's like getting into the details. It's like, yeah, and then he put his arms around me. And then, and you see them like getting closer and closer, like all these, like an owl and a and a squirrel and, a, and some rabbits, like heavy breathing, just, hey, yeah. And then she's like, and then I woke up and they all just like get really depressed. But, th- but one thing she says is that if you dream a thing more than once, it should come true, which I was like, uh-oh. There's going to be a lot of ghosts in my life, and I'm going to lose all my teeth. (laughs) Hey, I get the teeth thing, too. (laughs) Aurora's walking through the forest singing, and she is hanging out with her bird friends and her squirrels and harmonizing whatever. A man in a red cape uh, is riding his disobedient horse. At this time, we don't know who he is. Oh, a man of mystery is riding his disobedient horse, and he hears her singing. And he tries to to ride towards her, falls off into a river. His horse's name is Samson. Samson has some really great facial uh, reactions to this whole thing. I like Samson. Even though he's disobedient, he's got a mind of his own, and I like that. He reminds me of the horse of El Dorado. He reminds me of the horse in Tangled. Oh, yeah. Like, he's got his own personality. He's not just like, I'm a car. I get you from A to B. Like, he has a personality. So he falls off. He ends up in the water. He's hanging out his uh, coat and shoes and hat to dry. And while he hangs them out to dry, the owl and the birds and the squirrels steal his stuff. Because they're like, oh, we're going to dance with Aurora in these clothes. So, you know, you know, our favorite trope is two kids in a trench coat. This is six animals in a trench coat, basically. It's pretty good. Like, so, this is maybe the best scene in the entire movie. You know that these animals are hungry for some, like, action. And, like, you know what? You didn't finish your dream? Guess what? We're going to finish it for you. Show us what happens. We'll be the dude. And this is when I realized the movie's full of dum-dums. Why is that? Because it just kind of dawns on me, like, Aurora's not very bright. This man in the red cape is not very bright. The three fairies are not very bright. The king and the queen are not very bright. It's pretty clear that the fairies aren't very bright, especially because they're like, we'll turn her into a flower. Oh, okay, we'll take her away. And the king and queen are like, cool, I guess. And then, like, I realize she's been sitting in the forest for a very long time. Her socializing skills are probably like that of a rock. So she's singing this whole song about being in love with this man from her dreams. And he's been listening for a while because he jumps right into the song. And it's not even just the thing where it's just like, oh, it's a magical moment where they just like share a look. And this is some kind of elevated emotion. He literally says, 
this is these are the words of the song that you were singing, right? This is what you were saying. I'm just repeating it back to you, and this is this is what it is. We're in love now, right? He jumps in, creepy is what I wrote, and then she goes like, stranger danger, and he's like, no, no, no. You see, because we've met once upon your dreams, and my, I just went. Bleh. In my notes, I wrote, then Mr. Man butts on in. Because he's like, he like moves the animals out of the way and just like jumps in and starts dancing with her. And it's, it's extra terrible if you think about the fact that like when she was born, he was probably like five or six. So she's 16 and he's in his early 20s. Yeah. So they like share a moment. They're dancing. Sure. Whatever. I'm sure this is some representation of them getting to know each other. But they're like standing on a cliff. They're looking off into the distance, looking at the castle. At this point you realize how little they know of each other because he just turns, he just leans his head on her shoulder and says, Who are you? What's your name? Please tell me everything that's happening. I don't understand. And she's just like, that's when her like defense mechanisms kick in and she realizes what's going on. And she's just like, no, I can't tell you my name. I can't tell you anything. But let me tell you where I live. Because he's like, when can I see you again? She's like, tonight, you have to come to my house. Here's my address. But you can't know my name. You can't know my name. This would not have been made in the internet age. So she starts to head home and then we cut to the fairies and the dress is a mess and the cake looks like something that would be on Nailed It. She's got like, she's like, I have made like a 36 layer cake and it's like toppling over and melting. She props it up with a broom. And then she's like, it'll look better when I bake it. And it's like, (laughs) Salmonella. So they decide, like, you know what? It's her 16th birthday. Like, let's use some magic. So Blue starts cleaning the house. Green makes the cake better. Well, 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 before they do this, they're like, let's get the wands and just, like, fix all of this. And then the, they just, like, pull out the wands and just start just going insane all over the house. Like, well, let's let's clean and let's make a cake and let's make a dress and let's do everything. And they, like... They get the the mop and the broom to start doing, like, the Fantasia thing. I was just thinking the whole time, like, the Fantasia thing. Because the the mop is, like, walking around. And then there's, like, a moment where the the broom makes a pile of dust. And the broom, like, looks at Meriwether, like, what do I do with this now? And she just zaps it away. Which made me think of that whole thing recently that they talked about with the Harry Potter universe. How they, uh, before plumbing existent, the Hogwarts students would just vanish their leavings so they just crap in the corner and then just be like exactly akio poop that's why no that would bring it to them (laughs) (laughs) no stay away no they would just do spells like and literally like on twitter jk rowling said that like they would just relieve themselves and then uh make it disappear that's That's probably why they wear the long cloaks so anyway back to the fairies um they're making the cake they're doing the dress red and blue are fighting over the color of the dress and so because of that they end up in this crazy magic duel and they're shooting magic out the chimney and maleficent who has sent her bird to try to find where aurora is sees magic shooting out of the middle of the forest he's like red and blue fireworks shooting out of the chimney and it's just like oh that's probably where she is because she said before she sent the raven Look for a 16-year-old girl whose hair is blonde and whose lips are beautiful and make the red of the roses blush, like that kind of thing. And so, like, the bird's just like, oh, that's where I go. So the bird lands, like, in the windowsill and just proceeds to watch, like, the next, like, 15 minutes of the movie. Aurora comes home and she's, and they're just like, happy birthday, like, 
we made you a dress and a cake and she's like today is the best day like not even acknowledging what they did for her like today is the best day it's my favorite day and you're gonna meet him soon they're just like they're like uh what they're like yeah i've met a guy in the woods and we're in love and he's coming here and he's on his way and you're gonna meet him and then they say oh no you're in love that's terrible and she's like what's what's so terrible about love so the fairies freak out they tell her she's like actually you're a princess actually you're betrothed actually we have to go back to the castle and like the part that made me cringe about this was like nobody was like oh she's like i love him because i met him in my dreams and nobody was like oh no they were just like oh no you can't marry him because you're already betrothed and this is where not because that's gross and this is where i started to think about the whole logic of the situation where it's like okay maleficent said 16 years ago i'm going to kill you in a very specific way probably at the castle and on her 16th birthday before sundown they're just like we're gonna take you back to the castle the whole time they're explaining everything to her the crow is sitting there because he like realizes that like this is obviously where he needs to be watching so he sees everything and then he flies back to maleficent so that's how she knows so the three fairies sneak her back into the castle the the two kings are together yeah so they're thinking like okay the whole plan has been going great the, the princess is safe and soon our kids are going to be married together. Isn't that wonderful? And our kingdoms will combine. They said this whole thing about like the war is over. I didn't know if that meant the war between their kingdoms or the war with them and Maleficent saying like, we don't have to worry about her anymore. Stumps. Scrumps. So they start like, meanwhile, this Scrimps. whole thing, there's, there's the two kings. Two Stumps. What do they say for cheers? Scumps. Scumps. <laughs> Scumps. It's like if you're watching Lion King and you're like, what did they say? Hakranomachersis? What did they say? No, they they muffle. Like, they say, like, scrimps. Like, they're like, scrimps. They say like, scumps. Scrimps. Like, they don't say it clearly. So, they're sitting there. They're talking about this whole thing. There's two kings. One of them is King Stefan, who is Aurora's father. The other one is Philip's father. His name is King Hubert. And King Hubert is just like... He's, like, eating turkey legs, but taking, like, two big bites out of it and then throwing it away. Because he's just like, what do I care? <laughs> Our kingdoms will combine and we're going to be happy. And so he's like, hang on one second. He calls in a servant who is also a minstrel. He says, like, bring in my fine wine. And so the, <laughs> this guy brings in a tray of wine and two glasses or two, like, chalices. And they both start kind of toasting while the minstrel is, like, playing on a lute which is like an old guitar well this is 16 year old wine that was like made the day aurora was born yeah and so it's like they like tasted like mm, good vintage so they're toasting each other and they're singing this song called scumps when i had last seen this movie it was probably about 10 or 15 years ago i saw a version fresh from the disney vault we have sleeping beauty and i watched it and this scene was not there meaning that this 70 minute movie ended up being a 50 minute movie because it was around this time when everybody was like going crazy with re-editing stuff and taking out things that were ultra offensive which by the way things are offensive in some of the disney stuff but they're just having some wine so in the version that we watched they put it back in 
So they're singing this song and toasting. Meanwhile, it seems like the camera and the animation is focusing more on the musician that's with them, who is always trying to sneak a little more wine away from them. Like anytime they're just like, they have a bottle just kind of held out in their hands. He like just tips it a little into his own glass and starts drinking it. Or at one point they start spilling it. So he puts his guitar underneath their legs so that it catches all the wine so that he could drink it from that. And he like hugs it like it's his true love. He loves this wine so much. Meanwhile, this wine bottle is just constantly pouring this fountain of wine and never empties. Yeah, I said it was a bottle of wine that got three people drunk. Exactly. But while this is all happening and we're focusing... Scumps. Scumps? Scrimps. Scrimps. Scrumps. Scrimps. Scrolls. Scrolls? (laughs) Scrolls. That's the thing, right? (laughs) While this is all happening... Like, they are, like, revealing little bits of exposition because they're, like, they're actually having conversations. You're focusing, like, below the table as the musician's, like, drinking from his guitar. And you hear the kings above saying, like, well, I mean, she's been gone for years. I haven't seen her for 16 years. Do you think she'll even like your son? Like, do you think that there's even anything here? Meanwhile, like, as they're getting drunker, the King Hubert starts getting more aggressive and starts like getting upset and saying like, what do you mean? What do you mean she doesn't like my son? You think my son's not good enough for her? You think my son's not good enough for you? And he starts like bumping him with his belly and getting like really upset and mad. And then they start having a sword fight with a fish and a platter. It's, they're very much like angry drunks. But then they're just like, ah, we love each other. And then they hear this like weird sound that sounds like a guitar being like, pitched up and down and they look under the table and the musicians there just his head in the loot passed out and this has been wine you wine you peer upon upon the the screen screen. yes a disney movie where they are drinking wine on the screen wine you peer upon upon the the screen screen. christmas scrumps scrumps christmas scrumps scrumps um so at this point the prince rides back into town and well into the castle and he says like basically i met this peasant girl i'm gonna marry her screw everyone and he rides back out of town and the king even stops says like wait 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 you would give up the throne for this peasant girl he's just like he's like bye dad bye peace and so he he pieces out and so king hubert's like shoot how do i tell him like the other king like crap so this is where i wrote in my notes this is dumb irony because these two kids met each other and they fell in love we as the audience know like we are secure knowing it's like oh no this is a prince and a princess because this is the first time you ever see prince philip grown up and he rides and it's like oh it's the guy in the red cloak it's the same guy the fairies are under the impression that aurora is in love with some stranger and king hubert's under the impression that his son is is in love with some random stranger but we know it's all going to be fine Basically, uh, if I was Aurora and I just found out on my 16th birthday, I was a princess, I was betrothed to somebody, I need to get married that night and start having children, oh, maybe I'd like to fall asleep too. I would also have some questions as far as like, what are the details? Apparently my life is so in danger that I wasn't allowed to meet my parents until my 16th birthday, apparently. Um, did anybody have any other specific things about how I might die? No? Nobody's going to say anything. Okay, sure. Okay, cool. So uh, they bring her back to the castle. She's in the castle. She's crying. They give her a beautiful crown. 
And they're like, we have one last present for you. It's the crown. crown. It's basically the thing you're supposed to be wearing when you get killed. Bye. Have fun. Bye. They leave her in the room by by herself. herself Crying. She has also apparently taken a vow of silence because she doesn't say anything for the rest of the movie. So Maleficent comes through the fireplace. And basically at this point, I'd follow her too. Maleficent shows up as this green glowing orb and reveals this hidden like entrance through the fireplace in her room that goes up through like the castle. It's kind of cool because it looks a little bit like the um, the Disneyland castle when you're going up like the stairs, like all the spiral staircases and everything like that. I'm sorry. At this point, <laughs> the movie becomes a horror film. Like there's so many ways. Like you're just staring at the TV, going like. Why did everyone do what they did? Everyone is stupid. We, we couldn't hold it in. We tried to save the conversation for the podcast. But during this point, we were just saying like, this is like that same thing where in order for a horror movie to work, everybody in the movie has to be an idiot. Like, oh, what is that? It sounded like a cat behind those trash cans. Let me go investigate. Stab, stab, stab. Like they have to make stupid decisions in order for there to be like the horror movie plot to move forward and this movie kind of does that especially because when you think that every single problem that has happened along the way outside of maleficent's uh, initial threat everything is going wrong because all the people who are trying to protect her are making really bad decisions yeah no true story i was rooting for the spindle yeah so She goes up the stairs and she's following this hypnotizing green orb and apparently nobody ever said, oh, by the way, don't ever prick your finger on a spindle. Like the fairies are like beelining after her and they're just like like, saying, oh, we left her alone. (laughs) Oh, why did we leave her alone? Which is what we said too, sitting here. And then as they're going and following her, they're not being specific. They're just saying, don't touch anything. Which, of so course, don't touch anything? She, and they didn't say, like, don't touch any, don't touch a spindle. If you see a spindle, look out. They didn't say that. She was like, don't touch a thing. She sees this the, the spindle at the top of this parapet, and she touches it, and she falls. Maleficent shows up, and she's, like, laughing maniacally, cackling in the face of these fairies, which I would, too, because they took 16 years to keep her safe, and they couldn't do it. That's pretty amazing. And like her her tiara has tumbled off on the ground and she's like, look at your princess now. And she like swishes away her cloak and there's just this body on the floor. Yeah. And then she just disappears in more green flame. Yeah. So the kingdom doesn't know. And so they start the celebration for her 16th birthday. Like, woohoo! They're like, woohoo, we did it, guys! We're a birthday! It's gonna be so great! And so the Celebrate fairies good times decide on. that it's just too sad for everybody. And so they're gonna put everyone asleep for the whole time that Aurora's asleep. Rather than, like, walk out and be like, hey, guys, we messed up. They're just like, let's just put everybody asleep until this is all fixed. So they're flying through the sky. They find the kings. They're putting... They're literally, like, just putting this fairy powder on everybody, making them fall asleep, which leads me to believe that they're more powerful than they led on to be, and that maybe all this could have been fixed, but whatever. <laughs> and so they put the kings to sleep, but as they're putting the kings to sleep, King Hubert, Philip's dad, is like, oh, Prince Philip isn't here. He fell in love with somebody else. And they're like, uh, he's like, a peasant girl. And they're like, a peasant girl? And it's like, yeah, he fell in love with her once upon a dream. A dream. And they're like, what? That's what she said. Oh, you Oh, yuck, yuck, Which, before this happened, when they were like, we're bringing you back to the castle, 
I was thinking like, well, they specifically said we can break the curse with True Love's kiss, but they didn't bother to ask her any details about the guy that she actually fell in love with, which would have been helpful if maybe she went into a sleep spell. Again, a a horror film. So (laughs) anyway, Philip, we know, is riding to the cottage. So he gets to the cottage and he's attacked by all of Maleficent's minions. And the bird tipped them off. And, and Maleficent's standing there going, <laughs> The fairies decide that they have to go to Evil Mountain in order to save Philip. Is that what it's called, Evil Mountain? Th- that's pretty much what they call it. I it's just like she like, has I her own. at this point. She has her own castle on this mountain range that they basically call, like, Evil Mountains. The Evil Mountain Range, which has, like, these unfinished parapets that... I keep saying parapets. These unfinished towers that are like disintegrating but then there's all this green light coming from it because she just conjures green fire all the time so they get to the evil mountain and they get inside and they're oh to go back also when they found out that philip was missing they were flying to the cottage as like tiny insects with their little tiny insect wings oh yeah they can manipulate their size. They're not trying to hide their magic anymore. They could have flown there so much faster. But obviously, because like they start flying away, like, let's go find Philip. And then you see the entire scene happening where Maleficent and her minions capture him. They could have gotten there a lot faster. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, this is like Sleeping Beauty. It's a horror film. So then when they get to the castle, they're like, what do we do? There's guards everywhere. I don't know what we're going to do. And then finally, one of them is just like, oh, let's shrink ourselves tiny and sneak into like, the castle. Like, walk inside. You, you could have just done that. So they follow Maleficent down to the dungeon. Yeah, they're all having, like, all the minions are having a big party, like, just kind of jump, jumping around a green fire, saying, like, we're evil, we're evil. And Maleficent's I don't know if just that's like quite what they said, but well, it's pretty much what they're conveying. We're evil. We're evil. Maleficent's like lazing around on a throne, and she's just like, ha ha ha. Um, I'm gonna go check on our guest in the dungeon, and she starts heading down to go talk to Philip. So there have been so many bad plans in this movie that I thought, like, I guess everyone's just a dum dum. But when Maleficent explains her evil plan, it's actually kind of like it's like the evilest thing I've ever. Heard. It's pretty. It's pretty well thought out comparatively because it's not a thing where she's just like, yeah, now Aurora's dead and and I will let you free or I will kill you. Like, it's not anything like that. She's like, okay, I get, I understand what's happening. She's asleep. She will be awakened by true love's kiss. I'm going to allow this to happen. But before that happens, I'm going to keep you here for a hundred years. And then when you are an old man and like, have no drive in life, and are so tortured and beaten down, you will ride, sarcastically, gallantly into town on your horse. And you will go, and you will kiss her, and you will wake her up, and everybody else will be woken up too. But you will be so old that nothing can happen, like, between the two of you. And it's like, man, that that really is a really sinister plan. It's not just like, ah, well, kill, kill, kill. She's like, no, I'm, I'm just going to give you the hope. And let you waste away. Yeah, she is legit cruel. But at the same time, it's so much better than anything else that has happened in this whole movie. Where it's just like, that's bad. She's the only person who's thought out anything. But then she thinks it out. And it's like, (laughs) she's thought it out to the point of like, extreme. She's not like, I'm gonna turn you into a flower. 
So she like tells him this and he's like, no, you can. And she's like, eh, I can. Then the fairies get in after Maleficent leaves and freeze him. This is the part that I call the cheat code because this is basically like, I'm stuck in a video game. I don't know what to do. I'm going to put in the cheat codes because the fairies basically start doing everything for him at this point. Well, and my favorite is that they free him and then they're like, we can't do anything more for you. But and here's an awesome weapon and an awesome shield and it will free your shackles and it will free your horse. And oh my gosh, someone's going to drop boulders on you. We'll make them bubbles. Oh my gosh, they're firing arrows at you. We'll make them flowers. Oh, they're going to drop hot liquid on you. Oh, we'll, we'll make it, it a rainbow. rainbow. Like, and, and even like the things where like in the past they had said, oh, we can't do any, any harm. We can only make people happy. We can only do this. Like, they start chasing after Maleficent's crow and turn him into a gargoyle. Oh, which makes Maleficent. Oh, That is the thing that turns her into the dragon. So she is crushed. Yeah, because she's just like, what's going on? Oh my gosh, we have to do something. And she starts talking to the stone crow. She turns and looks at him and like, she's so heartbroken to see that he's been turned to stone. And that's when she's just like, I'm going to destroy everything. That's when she goes on the rampage. She surrounds uh, King Stefan's castle with well, the priors. Well, the way she says it is, I'm going to summon all the powers of hell. Yeah. So she surrounds the entire castle with all of the thorny brush that he can't get through. But apparently he can because he's got the fairies with him. And like anytime he hits any little bit of just like trouble, they're just like, using their wands willy-nilly and just like, you're free, you're free, you got this. We're helping, we're helping, even though they couldn't help before. And Maleficent turns into a dragon. Yeah, she's like, I'm going to do this by myself. I'm going to turn into a dragon. By the way, it's really cool. This really cool effect that I'd never really noticed before. But when she is the dragon that is like snapping her jaws, it's making this like really loud, shrill sound. It's the same exact sound that she makes when she slams her staff on the ground. That like, So even though, of course, they're only allowed to use their powers for happiness and nothing else, like Maleficent is creating all this fire and it burns up everything all around. And she's got Philip on the edge of a cliff and she's about to deliver the killing blow. The fairies are just like, "Uh, we're gonna enchant your sword to stab a dragon. And they just send it right into the dragon's chest. He doesn't do anything for it. It just throws it. He kind of throws it, and they're like, we're going to direct it right into the dragon well, for a like, killing blow. they're like, true love's killing blow. I don't know. They say something like, like that. Maybe that was the whole thing, because she said, like, all the powers of hell, and they're just like, oh, great. Now we can actually destroy you, because we are all about happiness. I don't know. It was the. It's a loose excuse. Anyway. So they do that. Maleficent dies. Maleficent dies. She becomes, like, a weird puddle on the floor. Basically, I was kind of rooting for her. Yeah, we both were. So he runs up the stairs and he kisses her and she awakes immediately. And it's like super dumb because it's like the princess could have grown up as a princess the whole time. She didn't have to live in the forest. That's what I was saying is that they didn't have to hide her away for 16 years because Maleficent explicitly said, I'm going to wait until you're 16 before I do anything to you. Yeah. So when Aurora meets her parents, she gives them this like really big warm hug, which they're strangers. I don't know why. Like, she she had no memory of them. And then they continue to fight, fight over the stupid color of her dress. Yeah, she's like, da- she's in her blue dress and she's dancing. And then, like, Flora's just like, it's a pink dress. And the Meriwether's like, blue, pink, blue, pink, blue. 
And it's like, you idiots, that's what cost you this whole thing to begin with. It was kind of funny when King Stefan woke up and he just turns to Hubert and is just like, oh, uh, I fell asleep. It must have been all that wine we had. <laughs> he could have been asleep for 15 years or 100 years. And then they're dancing in the clouds. Oh, my God. Why As their dress is still changing. Why do you go dancing in the clouds? Like, what? That might be a callback to Snow White. They were kind of dancing in the clouds. I don't know. I'm just, no. I, I'm sorry. This movie was weird. Nobody made any sense. The story was, like, super, like, ugh. I just, I couldn't understand anybody's, like, point of thinking. In the modern day lens, it really is kind of baffling that something like this is such, is so revered as a classic. Because she sleepwalks through the whole thing and she's the hero. If you really want to track, like, as far as who is the hero of the story by, like, who we spend the most time with, it's the fairies and they're incredibly incompetent until they decide. so stupid. Until they decide we're actually going to help. But they're still stupid. <laughs> but even at that, they're not incredibly effective. I did like the fact that the middle one, the green one, Fauna, there are many times throughout it when she's just like, maybe we can reason with Maleficent. And everybody's just like, don't be an idiot. She's like, okay. Okay. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, well, I think she actually is kind of onto something because the whole thing was started with just like, I didn't get an invite and you guys just insulted me. Yeah, like, just invite her to the party. There's so many ways where I'm like, oh my gosh, if people had just done X, Y, and Z, maybe this wouldn't have happened. (laughs) So that was Sleeping Beauty. I'm going to go sleep my beauty. I don't know what that means. Yeah, nobody does, but it's provocative. It gets going. Hey, Brenna. Yes, Joey. Would you like some fun facts? (gasps) Would I? Fun Fun facts facts with Joe. Payo. Feels good. It's been a while since I had it's some fun been a facts. Freaking long while. Sorry, guys. It's been like two or three months. Um, I got some fun facts here mm. for Sleeping Beauty. Ew. So, uh, we talked about it before, but Maleficent was the same voice as Lady Tremaine, the the stepmother from Cinderella. Oh, okay. Same voice. Did you know she was also the voice of Madame Leota from the Haunted Mansion? Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Apparently, she was offered Maleficent and she said, no, I can't do it. And the reason why was because she was battling tuberculosis at the time. No. And she just didn't want to, like, strain her voice that much. Join the club. (coughs) But um, she went through, like, a miraculous recovery and was able to take the part. Miraculous recovery. TB has a normal recovery. Like, I mean, you just take the drugs that they tell you to take. Well, now, yeah. I guess this was a while ago. Yeah, this is like mid-50s. <laughs> By the way, when she laughs, like, does the, her cackling laugh in this, it is terrifying. Yeah, like, true it, story. It sounds like a sound effect of a scream, like of a blood-curdling scream. When she's just laughing, she had a really great performance in this. By the way, there, I guess this goes into our, our TV discussion. Do you know when this was made? 1958. Very close. It was released in 1959. Ah! But the actual production started in 1951. Whoa. This has the record of the longest Disney production. It just took so long to get it off the ground. Wow. So it was like eight years in production. Wow. It cost a lot of money. And over the time... I know that. Six million dollars. 
Did nine it cost $6 million? million. Did it? I don't know. This is what it said on Wikipedia, but it made something like $54 million. Yeah. So it was considered like a super win. It cost a lot of money, but the thing was is that this was over the course of eight years. When they started the production, uh, Disney had 551 artists. By the time this was uh, being finished, they only had 75 artists. Oh, wow. But so why? Because they were trying to concentrate on the theme parks. Oh. The theme park was opened in 1955. Okay. So you know how there's the Sleeping Beauty Castle? Uh-huh. The Sleeping Beauty Castle predates the movie. It was actually made to... Uh, it was made while the, uh, while the movie was in production. So by the time that people were visiting Sleeping Beauty Castle... The movie Sleeping Beauty hadn't even existed yet. Hmm. So, you know how we talked about how Sleeping Beauty doesn't really speak that much? Mm-hmm. She has 18 lines in the film. That sounds about right. Yeah. Here's another thing that has to do with a Disney trope. How many times do you think there's like a princess's mom in the picture? Not much. Ooh, not much. So, uh, Aurora's mother, her name is Queen Leah, even though that's never said in the movie. Uh... Leah was the first Disney princess mom to ever appear on screen. She probably is the last one for a while. The next one to follow, technically, is Mulan's mother. Hmm. Yeah, because my only guess was, like, Brave's mom. That's not her name. Uh... If you had the chance to change your fate... <laughs> I know who you're talking about. I can't think... Oh my Merida. gosh! Merida! <laughs> Merida's mother. Yeah, Merida's mother plays a big part in that movie. But, yeah, well, um, she's a bear. Yeah. Yeah, I guess Merida... I don't know, but Mul- no, technically Mulan... Mulan's mom, yeah. Technically Mulan is leaves. a Disney princess, even yeah. though there really isn't any royalty in her family. But as far as like Disney princess stories go, she is a well, Disney she princess. she impresses the emperor. Uh, sure. I mean, everyone's a Disney princess now. Everyone is. Who even hasn't Disney bought? Leia is a Disney princess. Yes, but uh. <laughs> but technically, the main female character of a Disney movie, you don't see a mom, I'm but a non-animal mom until Mulan in 1998. Yeah, no, that's legit. It's a long period of time. Um, I have no other facts. All right. So what did you think of Sleeping Beauty? Oh, man, I'm going to give this like a 2 out of 10. Like... This like was, number two, like uh, there's a, like in your top 10, it's number two. It's no, one of the best. Like, okay. On a scale of zero to 10, with zero is the worst movie I've ever seen. And 10 is the best movie I've ever seen. I got to give it like a two to a three. Like really? it's okay. I had nothing like to argue with this, with the animation. Like the music was beautiful. The sound was beautiful. The storyline was crap. Oh, you know where the music's from? Oh, ooh, surprise, t- surprise, oh, surprise, surprise, fun surprise, fact. Surprise, fun fact. You told me you had none left. I thought I had none you left. You are a liar of facts, sir. You are a fiend. Don't cover your mouth. We're doing a podcast. <laughs> you tell everyone you're a fiend. Put that hand down. I am a fiend. Thank you. And a charlatan. Yes, you are. So. Are we even married? Even in the initial credits that start this movie, it says that Sleeping Beauty is based on the Tchaikovsky Ballet. I saw that. If you listen to the original like ballet score of it, the Once Upon a Dream is in there. But then it changes. It's just different. It's like Disney kind of just went around getting the rights because it's hmm. based on. There's other things in it that are borrowed, 
definitely a lot of Maleficent stuff. But the first time that you see, uh, I just know this in my brain. Wow, that's crazy. I'm not even reading this. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Um, Oh, my gosh. That moment where she's following the green orb to eventually, like, prick her finger. There's this music that's playing. There's a moment in the ballet that is basically, like, everybody in the royal court is just watching two cats play with each other. It's a comedic thing. But it's this weird, like, ballet, like, pas de deux, where it's, like, a, a white cat and a black cat, like wrestling with each other you can look it up online if you just look up uh the tchaikovsky sleeping beauty cat scene yeah so i'm gonna still give this like a two to a three what do you give this i mean i give it like a you know middle of the road maybe like a four just because of the music as we were watching the movie i was like singing along with it because it's like even before like my first memories there were there are videos of me in black and white singing once upon a dream in like a little baby dialect it's just always been ingrained in me and there were things as we were watching where i was just like oh i remember that like oh i remember them drinking tea and i remember this and that like just these little signifiers as if you're like visiting an old hometown that's like oh that's where that is and that's where that is i distinctly also remember a lot of the trees in the background have like square leaves yeah you were like i remember the square trees yeah, if like, you watch it, there's okay. square trees. Like, you see, like, the stalks going up into the sky, but then they have these weird squares on top. So, I give it a 4 out of 10. Blech. It's not my favorite. I think the artistic experimentation with it is really cool, with it looking like medieval tapestries. And uh, I like the music. But as far as, like, watching it now as an adult, none of the story stuff makes sense. Like, they try to build this dramatic irony of just, like, well, this character knows this, and this character knows this. But it's not so much a thing of just like, ooh, I want to see how this clashes. It's more of just you as the audience saying like, well, this is all going to work out fine. So I'm not even worried. So I'll put it this way. I enjoyed the wine more than I enjoyed the movie. Hmm. That doesn't happen often. It doesn't happen often. And I think it was unfair because it followed on the tales of Lady and the Tramp. And I enjoyed Lady and the Tramp so much. I thought that was going to be like a nothing filler movie, but it was so fun and it was so cute. So what's our next movie? pause that thought i was just bark, looking bark, that up bark bark you you keep us safe you dog bark. okay so following on the tales of that what's our next movie so you like the last dog movie right yeah we got another dog movie <gasps> which one 101 dalmatians oh yeah from 1961 we are oh, in the 60s we're folks in the 60s it's groovy man so join us next time for 101 Dalmatians. It'll be a hoot. No, it'll be a bark. Who says it'll be a bark? Uh, I do. Hey, fans, it'll be a bark. <laughs> and with that, cheers. Cheers. Can you hand me a gummy bear? Thanks. <laughs> oh no, I promised I wouldn't eat during these anymore. <laughs> <laughs>